Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. Welcome to episode 10 of Responding to Life, a podcast. Today, with the help of my sister-in-law, Farida Reyes, we will explore the myriad of ways one can face the ultimate challenge in life, the death of a loved one, something we will all have to bear at one point during our time here on earth. The loss we face can result in a sorrow that can consume us, never letting us out of its grips should we choose to stay in the in the embrace of grief. In the last episode, I detailed the painful story of how I miscarried our twins at the 17-week mark of pregnancy and left off at the point where I was all alone in my anguish. I asked my sister-in-law, Farida, here today to help me discuss this topic because she is one of the most resilient women I know who, despite all of the loss she has faced in her own life, she somehow still manages to be one of the most positive people I know. When I see her, she seems to always have a genuine smile on her face and a laugh that is inviting. Through the course of her life, Farida has learned how to pick herself up many times and persevere. This topic of loss, the ultimate obstacle in life, can be dealt with in so many ways that it warranted a conversation with someone else in order to really examine how our response in life can greatly affect our paths. Farida, thank you again for joining me for another episode and for your willingness to discuss such a difficult and personal topic. Farida is married to my younger brother, which is how we are related. So you truly are like the sister I never had. As I mentioned in my introduction, you are one of the most resilient and positive people I have ever met, given the many devastating challenges you have had to face in your life. To begin, at the young age of 17, your mother passed away from an aneurysm. Then eight months later, your sister passed away from pneumonia and other complications. We will discuss how you grieve from these terrible losses early in your life in just a moment. You then go on to meet my brother, get married, and eventually get pregnant with your first child, a son who was stillborn at the time of childbirth. Farida, I can't even imagine handling just one of these tragic losses, let alone all three in one lifetime. I'm so sorry for all of the losses and the insurmountable obstacles that you have had to face in your life. So to ease us into this conversation, I can begin by picking up where we left off from the last episode where I shared how we came to lose our first set of twins when I was 17 weeks pregnant. When we left the hospital and had some follow-up appointments with doctors to check on my health, I was given the option of joining a support group so that we could find comfort in knowing that other people knew how we were feeling. We tried group therapy one time, but it was just too soon and other people's stories were so sad that it just made us feel worse rather than making us feel consoled. 
So the next thing we tried was a therapist, a one-on-one session. And we found ourselves one afternoon sitting on a sofa in the office of a therapist that was recommended to us by the hospital. M was reluctant to go as he preferred to deal with his emotions on his own. However, I knew that he did this for me as my grief seemed to have no end to it. And it felt like I had taken over, it had taken over my entire being. And M was at a loss at how to help me. It was completely foreign to him to not be able to find a solution and to help me out. So I remember us sitting on the sofa, holding hands and finding it hard to describe what had just happened and what had led up to this moment over the last few years to this complete stranger. Talking about it out loud at this point wasn't quite cathartic as it was more painful for us. So after about two or three visits, we just stopped going. So once all the family had left and you tried out therapy, what did your actual grief process look like? So after a few weeks, uh, my sadness, it turned into anger. And I remember it feeling so toxic. After the family left and M returned back to work, after a couple of weeks, I was back to being alone in the house. I didn't know anyone in the area, and we lived on a street where the houses were somewhat far apart enough that you'd have to drive over to them to visit. And so when this happened, I didn't have any close friends to distract me from my grief. So the loneliness that I initially felt moving up to New Hampshire became so magnified during this period of of grief. And our friends and family, who all lived in other cities, were more than willing to help us out during this stage of, of sadness and grief by connecting over the phone or via email, and some of them even visited. Yet, uh, that form of support that they could offer wasn't the type that I found helpful, unfortunately. Uh, during those dark times, you know, our loved ones offered their words of hope and support, and they listened. But in those early stages of grief, at least for me, I wasn't interested in those words quite yet. And it was all words of just hope that I just wasn't ready for. And talking aloud about it to people who who were willing to listen, it was just too painful. And so that left me to myself to deal with the pain on my own. And so I went from being sad to angry and then just being lonely and numb and so disinterested in life. And so that, I mean, what about for you, Farida? What did the, the process of grief look like when you lost both your mother and, and your sister as a teenager? I think, um, I know I was, well, I was 17, senior in high school. So a lot of things was, was happening to me that year. My friends kept me, you know, busy. We all kept each other busy because um, senior prom and all this was happening. So uh, most time, I, I believe I was just so numb, especially losing my sister since um, my mo- with my mom, uh, when my mom passed, I haven't seen her in so many years. So, you know, it was just, you know, I, I cried, but then it's just fine. But when it was came to my sister, she's, she was my best friend. 
And I just numb. I remember just being numb. And one of my friends just sat me down and said, you need to cry this out. And I did. But I, to me, I just like, I prayed and just, you know, I cry, but I don't, I don't really open up to a lot of people, to a lot of my friends. So. Is that because you don't want to burden them? Or is it just, no, I, you're just private <laughs> about it? I, not that I don't want to burden them. I think it was just like a private part of me that, you know, I kept it to myself. And then the grief, that actually later on kind of, it, it caught up on me at some point. Right. Right. In that you kind of had bottled it all up. Yes. And then it manifested in other ways and came out in different situations. I I get that. (laughs) The numbness, I, you know, I mentioned that feeling as well. It's hard to describe that feeling because you just, it's not even shock. It's just, you don't want to feel anything. Is that what it felt like for you? Yes. I mean, like the first, especially I, I just didn't think that it was happening. Like it happened to me, it happened to my sister that she was actually gone, that right. she wasn't there anymore that, you know, cause we shared beds. I mean, we were, you know, 17, 18, but we were still sharing bed. I mean, you know, so it was just something that like, no, it can't, it can't be real. This is a dream. This is a dream. But then, you know, every day, you know, as the day goes by, you know, she's not here, <laughs> you know, it was just like, wow. And then later on, like, you know, because everybody was asking, like, the family was asking how my dad was doing, how, you know, how he was doing, how was he, he was dealing with the loss. But yet nobody really asked me, like, when it came to the family, you know, family, mm-hmm. like, it, it, that was hard because it's just like, oh, it was just my friends knowing that, like, they know that I lost a sister. Right. But, it, you know, it's just so different when you, you know, with. No, like with the family, they didn't, I guess they didn't know how to deal with that also, you know, having, you know, my sister, you know, losing my sister at such a young age. Right, right. Yeah, I I could see that in terms of family being more concerned with, with the father, with the adult. Yeah. um, And kind of just letting the children be children. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, I didn't know you then and yeah. I just knew of what happened when we got to know each other. And, um, and that's what I was saying in the, the introduction of you is that despite all of, all of the tragedy that occurred for you early on, you still managed to have this persona and this energy of of just happiness and joy. You always have a smile on your face. And I wonder what that path looked like from that moment when, you know, you were 17 and then, and then to later on in your, you know, your twenties and your thirties. And you mentioned that you, you prayed and I know you're religious. Was that a big anchor for you? Yes. Um, like my, uh, my, my mom, the, the, I call my aunt, um, mom also. Uh-huh. So she's the one that like, you know, I know that she was always, she would always tell me to just pray, pray. I mean, to me, that was something that, okay, you know, as long as I keep my faith, you know, 
I'll be fine. You know, I'll just, you know, I prayed and, you know, I'm okay. (laughs) And that's something that I just held on to. As your life then progresses, you get married to my brother and eventually you get pregnant with your first child who at the time of delivery is stillbirth. Even though I had gone through that 17 week loss of twins, it seemed very different to what your loss was because you were at the end of it. And so much as my heart hurt for you and my brother, I didn't know the words to say to you both. I've always been there to support my brother growing up in anything, anything that he ever needed. And so for me, it was really tough to stand there on the sidelines uh, and watch the two of you grieve the loss of your son. Uh, Even though I was far away, I still wanted to to be able to help in some way. And so despite having endured the loss of both your mother and your sister, I can only imagine that the loss of a child is incomparable in many ways. And if you would um, be able to just tell us how that was different and how your coping strategies were different in, in this situation. Uh, wow. This, with this one, I just, I, I, I was angry. I was, I remember just screaming there and saying, wasn't it enough already that you took my mom, you took my sister. Now you're taking this away from me. I, I was just, I was angry. Then I, I, I was, I said, sorry to my husband kept saying sorry to him. Maybe I did something wrong. I was doing something wrong. And then later on, I still remember laying on that bed. I just prayed as I prayed to God and said, you know what? Just do what you have to do because I'm out. I'm like, I'm literally, you know, you could even take me away from now. You could, you know, I could die right now and I'll be fine. And I mean, that was something that like, you know, and then I just prayed to him too that, Whatever is gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And just I, I in, in that moment, like at the hospital, I just kind of just let it go. You know, I just cried my eyes out. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Farida. I didn't. You know, like I said, I didn't know what to ask you at the time, yeah. and you never want to pry. And I, yeah. I looked back on my own time and how I just didn't want to talk to anybody. So that's kind of how I treated that whole situation. Um, yeah. And so the fact that you had already dealt with loss before in your life, did that in any way help you to cope and deal with this this new tragedy? It was different because with this one I you know with our our child being taken away I thought I was being punished mm-hmm. as like you know mm-hmm. what I did wrong and um all the grief all the grief that I had before for my sister and my mom that never really came out it just came crashing on me like you know Okay. All the feelings, all the, all the, I mean, I guess you could say like, you know, I numbed everything out. It just came out that time also. We're like, wasn't it enough? You know, and I just let it be like people, I, I remember people came to visit me and, you know, I didn't really talk much. Right. I mean, I cried, they cried and that was, 
that was it. <laughs> There's nothing to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so how did you find, you know, I t talked about finally finding the strength and the energy to move on, or actually, I, I guess I haven't yet. Um, but how did you move on from that moment? I, I, I guess, you know, I had to, I had to make it real that my son, our son was here. Our son was a part of me. Our son was a part of our family. Mm -hmm. So I made sure like we had the, you know, he, he, he did get baptized. We had the funeral right. and, um, just, uh, I mean, it was hard to like, even just wake up, but I forced myself to look for uh group therapy because I needed it. And, you know, part of my strike was my husband. He, you know, he took, I, I believe a couple months off. Even I took my whole maternity. Like that was allowed. I, that was two months also. And just look for a group therapy. I put myself in therapy just because I know I needed it. I, I don't know how I found that energy, but uh -huh. I did. I would let myself cry, you know, at night, you know, just, you know, let all the tears flow and then just move on to, I mean, move on to the next day. I mean, there were times when I would tell my husband, you know, I don't really want to, you know, wake up after I sleep. And he you know, he was there to support support me to say, I need you here. We need each other. You know, we both lost our son. Right. You know, so he was part of that strength. Like, you know, okay. He, and he told me that it, him being there, him, like, you know, even though I told him go back to work, he still stayed home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you're there for me. I know that you're going to be there for me. I know that you're, 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 the one that's permanent, you know, <laughs> right now, <laughs> you know, you know, in, in a sense of like, you know, y you're the one that's there. Right. Yeah. Right. So you were in it together. You were a team. Yeah. You had each we other. Were right. And that might... he, he made sure that he wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, even when I told him just go to work, but he was just so scared that something was going to happen that he's right. like, no, I'm staying home with you. <laughs> You yeah. know, I'll drive you to whatever therapy you need, you know, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And the, the therapy helped you? Was it like a group setting? The group setting, uh, it helped for a little bit. I think I went about three to four times. Mm -hmm. It helped a little bit to hear stories also of others that, you know, it wasn't our fault. It's not, you know. Right, not your fault. My fault. It's not, you know. Yeah, and you're not alone. Our, yeah, right. I, that and that helped me in some way. And then after the group therapy, I went, uh, I went to a one-on-one -on -one therapy. Okay. And then I believe I I know there was a time that I brought, you know, my husband also, but he went once. <laughs> mm. All right. You know, men are different in how they, and yeah. everyone's different in how they. Yeah. Oh, they have to process. And so. So, well, how about you? What was the tipping point when you started to return back to life and begin to move on? So, you know, 
I I felt that energy taking over me, and it felt like there was an end in sight, which is what it sounded like for you. And but after a few months of being in this checked out state, I I couldn't I couldn't be there anymore. And my natural tendency is to be optimistic and hopeful, and and that's actually the role that I play in our marriage. And so feeling that way felt feeling just checked out and like a zombie just it felt foreign to me and I I felt that that I needed to to do something otherwise I would feel like I was swallowed up by it and so um you know I think for me for the the, the loss it was probably easier in relation to someone who lost someone who was living because you have those shared me memories. And um, yeah, at first, the memories are painful uh, as you grieve the loss. But then those same memories are the ones that will put you past that hump when you're in that letting go process. And those are the memories that lift you up and bring you joy and remembering and remembering them and you know, that's how the loved ones live on because of those memories that you had in your mind in your heart and so even though you know the twins never were alive out on the earth they were alive in me and so I kept that within me and I allowed that to just fuel me to move on and I'll go into it in another episode but at that point I did this thing where I that I had talked about before of just pivoting like I needed to do something different because trying to go back to get pregnant right away was not going to happen I was not emotionally mentally physically ready for any of that and so but going back to this idea of moving on and how to grieve it in a healthy way. I always tell people, and you noted about it too, Farida, is that we need to experience our feelings. And it can be scary to be vulnerable, even to your own self, let alone the whole world, simply by feeling what's happening versus just ignoring it. But because the feelings can be so overpowering that that's scary and that it's scary to think that you might get so consumed by it that you might never come out of it. But if you allow yourself the space to experience the anger and the sadness, and then you can grieve that loved one that you lost. You can even grieve a vision that you had of your life. And when you give yourself that opportunity, you, it starts to weigh you down less. Because that grief and that sadness is so heavy. And then the second thing that, you know, that worked for me in this letting go process was remembering my strength. So during the dark moments when I just wanted to hide in a corner and wallow in grief, I forced myself to remember my strength. And I remember saying like these affirmations, I'm strong. I've been through a lot, but I always keep going. And things will get better. 
And I just had to keep repeating that to myself. You know, we're all strong in our own way. So you have to remind yourself of this inner power. And when times are tough and you use your strength to push the weight of the sadness off your shoulders, then you'll be able to take one step and you'll find that the next step after that is a little bit easier. And then the, the last part is moving on. And I know it sounds easier to just say it versus actually do it. And once you've done those first two steps of actually feeling the feelings and remembering your strength, you'll begin to see that you feel lighter and stronger, and this will help fuel you forward. And then each day will be easier, uh, but know that it won't be linear. You know, there will be good days and there will be bad days, but as long as you can allow the feelings to flow through you and, and you can connect to your inner strength, then you'll be able to find that bit of energy to move you forward. And then you'll have those beautiful memories in your heart and in your mind. So I want to thank you, Farida, so much for sharing such a personal moment, moments in your life with all of us. I know how hard that must have been for you, and I really appreciate it. And I'm so sorry for all of the losses that you've experienced. I'm truly grateful to have you as my sister and, you know, to let the audience know that you do have this beautiful son, my godson now, and uh, he is like the spitting image of you in terms of happiness. So thank you again for speaking to, to me today. You're welcome. And thank you also for having me. You're awesome. When we experience any kind of loss, we are left feeling empty and sad. It can seem impossible to remember what joy felt like. I have found that the key to letting go of loss is to acknowledge the pain instead of fighting it. Remember my inner strength and take one step forward at a time. As you begin the process of moving forward, remember that your past does not define who you will be in the future. Every moment in life is a part of who you are both the good and the bad. How you shape your tomorrow all depends on how you respond to life via your choices. Letting go and moving on is hard, but focus your strength on taking just that one step forward. And if you can take that step, then that same strength will carry you to the next. And before you know it, you have found yourself out of the darkness of grief and into the light of life. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.